Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the Hold Paris... it now, wait, hold it. That's played out. Hit it! You give me all that jive about things you wrote before I was alive. Cause this ain't 1823, ain't even 1970. Now I'm the guy named Curtis Blow, and Christmas is one thing I know. So every year, just about this time, I celebrate it with a rhyme. Oh, Merry Christmas! Gonna shake it, gonna make it, gonna make it good. Gonna rock, chop, rock it through your neighborhood. Gonna ring, gonna sing it till it's understood. My rap been about to happen like a knee. You were slapping or until you been tapping on a hunk of wood. Now, Paul Buck Power Stewart wants to talk about the greatest Christmas movie of all time, The Die Hard. The greatest Christmas song of all time for us old school R&B guys, hip-hop guys. This is what I'm talking about. Now people let me tell you about last year when the dude came flying over here. Well, the home was out, snow's on the ground. Folks stayed in to party down. The beat was thumping on the box. And I was dancing in my sock. And the drummer played at a solid pace. Yo, pump it up. You're driving around town. Pump it up. And the taste of the bass was in my face. That's what I'm talking about. Hour number two, T.C. Martin show on this Thursday. And the guitar player lay down the heavy layer of the funky chunky rhythm of the disco key. Working our way down to Christmas. Yeah. And the guy with the 88 started to participate. No chucks. Hit the Kiwi. We were all in the mood, so we had a little food and a joke and a smoke. And a little bit of wine when I thought I heard a hoop on the top of the roof. Could it be it wasn't me? I was feeling super fine. So I went to the attic where I thought I heard the static on the chance that the fans was somebody breaking in. Put the noise on the top of the reindeer top. Just a trick, say, and I let the sucker in. This is what I'm talking about. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright. Come on down! What's going on, brother? Merry Christmas to you. That's, um... Curtis Blow? There you go, Curtis Blow, in the know. The B-L-O-M-W. You know I got the rocket pneumonia in the boogie-woogie flu. I threw the rocket pneumonia in there part. But there it is. My guy, Curtis Blow. Uh, That's your favorite Christmas song? There's no question. Not even close. There's not even a close silver medalist. It's like a gold medalist runaway right there. No doubt. I mean, come on. If this doesn't make you feel good and want to go get some uh, hot toddy or a hot chocolate and just, you know, bop your head and move around, what else does, my friend? Curtis blowing Christmas rapping. Well, that, that, that doesn't go in my house. <laughs> come on, man. You got a little bit of rhythm. Now, come on now. This, this was your prime time, man. This was your prime 1978. This is what I'm talking about. I, I, I know, but but you gotta you gotta go with the family. You gotta get everybody in. You gotta make sure everybody's covered. So my favorite Christmas song of all time: Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Ah, uh, that, that's it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Of course you'd go with Gotta that one. There you go. Okay. Well, we'll, make sure, we'll, make, sure that we'll, we'll make sure we'll get that for you. You got you to make sure. That, not, now you got something. That's, that, that covers everybody. <laughs> All right, man. Glad you could uh, join us as we get ready for a little uh, a little Christmas, uh, a ride around the corner here. Uh, give us uh, what is happening there. We always know that holiday time, the Cartwright uh, Christmas, is always something special here. Now, the Thanksgiving 
Uh, you put on about 12 pounds. You had about 30 different uh, entrees and dishes and desserts. Uh, you know, the family, I'm sure, will be in full effect again. Uh, what do you got planned uh, for the Cartwright Christmas here? Cartwright Christmas is similar, unfortunately, to the Thanksgiving Christmas. Thanksgiving dinner, it's, 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 it's almost a repeat of, like, incredible amount of food. And why is it different? It's going to be a sports. It's going to be food. It's going to be uh, uh, conversations up the yin-yang. So it's, it's very, very similar. The only difference is that we, you get gifts. You know, you, you probably just should have saved some of that food because I know the spread that you put out there. It's ridiculously insane. And then now you're going to put your sisters through this and get, well, we got to go through all this again. Because, I mean, this is like a, a two- or three-day process before you even have the meal. It takes you 22 minutes to devour the whole thing, and then you run for the scotch and the cigars, don't do any cleanup, and then you've got another you know, four hours' worth of work there. I mean, you guys should have just made enough food and just uh, done the leftovers. That's what you did. You're putting your poor family through through heck here, man. You know that, don't you? Um, look, what? You're talking about two dinners a, a year. Suck it up. Uh, they're four weeks two apart. Dinners. Come on. They're four weeks apart. That's a lot of work, man. That's all I'm saying. Uh, that's 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 not my business. My my job is getting there, watch the sports if you need. That's your job. That's it. And I got a feeling you're probably paying for all the food too, right? Is that that's probably your job? You, you, you get away with that, right? No, no. I'll you, pay st- for it. You, you, st- you stick somebody else with a the bill. There it is. Hey, what about froggies? Froggies open on Christmas? Uh, no, no, that doesn't happen. Christmas Eve. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Little froggies. There you go. Good stuff. All right, man. Plenty of food. Frolic, fun, uh, Cartwright Christmas. Uh, good stuff here, man. All right, let's talk about your USF Dons, man. I got to give you some oh, love. We got to give you some love. Uh, you guys beat Arizona State a couple nights ago, 66-65. Very, very impressive. The Don- the Dandy Dons are now 12-1. and And you guys defeated three Mount West Conference opponents you beat Nevada, you beat Fresno State, and you know we know you beat UNLV a couple weeks ago there on your home court. So uh, very impressive, twelve and one against uh, you know some pretty good competition, and you beat Arizona State, man, from the Pac-12. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, you know we're we're progressing well. I think that we're getting uh, great efforts from uh, you know from a lot of different people. Uh, Chavez had a great game uh, against uh, Arizona State, and uh, before that, Bouye played really well. Uh, our bigs have been playing well, and I think if Coach Todd was here, he'd tell you that the, what's really uh, making us the team that we are is that we're just guarding. We're really guarding well. And that, that goes to the coaches, that goes to you know, the guys are following the game plan. Um, but they're just guarding while they're making it really hard. Uh, so it, it's been great to watch. Uh, and this is the scary thing. They have not really, I don't feel like, uh, played very well offensively. I think they've played okay. But uh, we're really capable of scoring, and we just have not done that at all this year. So... You know, you go you go back to that game that you guys lost. You lost one game the right before the ASU game, 
And it was a 49-48 game. You lost to Grand Canyon. And I know that's one that you, you guys would like to have back. I mean, think about this. You could be sitting here on Christmas Day at 13-0, and and you won a game you probably sh- – I mean, you lost a game you probably should have won, and, and you score 48 going to your point here. I mean, doesn't that kind of – you stick you a little bit like, man, we could be 13-0 and 0 right now. Yeah, we could. We could. But, you know, this is the way I look at it. We lost that game. And, of course, we're very upset uh, because I, I felt like, and I'm sure you did, and I don't even want to talk about the point spread. But uh, that, that's the game we felt like we should have won. But the next night, we played what we felt like was a better team. And I'm sure you'll identify that also points for wise. And we bounced back. That was the next night. I know. That's what I'm saying. You beat ASU, but then you lose to Grand Canyon. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's just, it happens, but it's, it's like, wow. I mean, especially what we talked about before is that you need to win, you know, all of these games that you're favored and that you're supposed to win because you know, it's, it's great for your RPI and you beat some pretty good teams, you know, thus far, but. Again, you know that loss is does not look good when it comes down to to selection time, and I, it's you know hey we're twelve and one, and I know Todd Golden is going to say hey man we're twelve and one that's you know we, we had a great you know non conference season, but you know I know you and I are thinking the same thing man we could we should have been thirteen and zero that'd be huge. When was the last yeah, time USF yeah. was thirteen and zero? The Cartwright era, right? I mean seriously, seventy seven. Yeah. 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 So uh now you know we've talked a lot about this over the years about you know when you come here for the WCC tournament and it's Gonzaga and just about everybody else and you know you guys you know if you can get a 4 or 5 seed or 3 seeds even great or whatever but I mean you got to be feeling pretty good about this team now. Uh what what is better about this team in comparison to the last few years at USF? Well, what's better is that we've got, uh, for one thing, and this is a two thing that uh, is it personnel. Uh, I mean, you got a lot of the same well, personnel. Yeah, it is personnel, but but we are an older team now. So, um, and and also we've got a bigger team, got a bigger front line. Uh, we got better athletes. So it's it's just it's just all those things together. So. Um, and then think about this. When when guys are coming out of the portal now, they're coming out of the portal to play and really um, with, with with like a chip on their shoulder. Because the team that, that they're that they were on, they weren't playing, and then now they're getting an opportunity to show everybody and look, I I can play, I deserve to play. Uh, I'm ready to play. I've been sitting for two years. And uh, it's just a great opportunity. So, um, you know, our guys—you got to give them credit. You know, they've got good, good spirit. It's a great team atmosphere. Um, they know we're off to a special start. Uh, they've stayed healthy. Not that any pro guys can, but our guys can. Uh, and it's just—it's just been a great experience. So, um, our our aim is high. So. Uh, like I said, I'm not worried about um, what is that that RPO or whatever that garbage is. The RPI, we're, we're, right? We're, 
Yeah, so we'll, I mean, come on. I mean, we we got Gonzaga in our conference. We got BYU. We got St. Mary's. We got good teams in our conference. We're going to have to beat them anyway to worry about where we're going to get ranked, and we can do that. Um, you know, we should definitely go up in the rankings. So, to me, uh, this has been a great it's been a great building experience. Get us ready for conference, uh, and I'm just really hopeful. Uh, once conference in, we're going to be at our best. Guys, so, play. Uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 a really exciting time. Guys, got St. Mary's and Gonzaga to open WCC play here coming up on January the first. So uh, we're going to find out a lot in those first uh, two games coming up. So look 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 forward to that. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be tough because we play both those guys on the road. And which is fine because we we play okay on the road. We play better at home. Uh, my feeling is that we're we're, we're, we're definitely going to whip them at home. Uh, I think we're playing well enough. I think the guys are. I think we got enough guys to be able to do that talent wise. So it's, it's just going to be a nice challenge. Well, you... but, uh, like I said, I'm not. I'm not worried about the rankings. Forget the rankings. Let's just, let's, just, let's just win our conference. So the, you guys are 13-0. Or it could be 13-0. You're 12-1. and You got Gonzaga, St. Mary's. But who's USF got up next? The Academy of Art. You're playing the Academy of Art. What is that? The Academy of Art. Oh, they're undefeated too, by the way. They're 1-0. I mean, you build up all this good grace. I'm giving you guys all the props. And you're playing the Academy of Art here in the next day or two? What is that? Every, every school, every good school has teams like this. You know that. Uh, <laughs> no, not everybody says, plays the Academy everybody. of Art. Matter of fact, you're the only the second team that's played the Academy of Art. They have one no, game. I'm saying that, no, I'm saying that every team. Don't do, defend it. Come on, man. No, I'm not saying No, yeah, I am. Because it's like if, if this is Kansas playing a team like that, you wouldn't say anything. I've never seen no, Kansas no, play that. the Academy no, of Art. No, I've seen play no, Incarnate no. Word. I've seen a legitimate no, program. But come on. No, no, no. Okay. So you just, you were complaining to me not so long ago about Gonzaga not beating some team who was a no-name team by enough that they beat them. But who was that team? That team was a legitimate Division One team. You're playing. Okay, you're it? playing an after-school special it? team. Who is it? You want me to go? You want me to go back to the schedule and look at this? To, yeah, to, you, you to, just got it right there. To find, you, got it, you got it right there. Okay, let me let me get up the Gonzaga tell schedule. Me, me, let me tell go. me. Tell me. Tell me the powerhouse. <laughs> and the bad thing, you were the one complaining about it. Please stand by. Okay, please. And then oh, you beat Southern Illinois yesterday too. I mean, that was really nice too. All right. That's, <laughs> That was good. That was good. Okay. Hold on. We're going to come to a crashing halt here while I I look at the Gonzaga schedule because I guarantee you they're probably better than the Academy of Art. So, okay, let's, let's, let's. Okay, here we go. The Gonzaga schedule. Let's see. Um, Uh Let's see. Back to our Gonzaga schedule. So, yes, you know, they, they beat, let's see. Well, Dixie State's pretty good. It wasn't them. Uh, uh, Alcorn State, Bellarmine, it wasn't them. Uh, that team uh-huh. they lost to by the uh, Duke. Yeah. Uh, 
Tar- Tarleton State. Yeah, Tarleton State. Uh, they just upset somebody else the other night. Uh, uh, maybe it was Merrimack. They played Merrimack. Uh, but, Mer- uh-huh. but Merrimack's in the, much? They're in the Northeast How Conference, much? though. Uh, 80 How to 55, much? but they've played 13 games or they're five and eight. They're five and eight. Okay. You're uh-huh. playing a team that's one and oh. They don't even have a uh-huh. conference. I don't even think they have a gym. I think they need to borrow your gym or they play outside. Come on. Academy you, of Art. Come what on. What you should do, <laughs> well, what, what, what we should do is let you rebrand that uh, tyrant you were on. You were, you were on a tirade talking about how horrible. Gonzaga was because they they had such a, a a tight game with this bad team. This is you. This is not me. This is you wait, telling me. Wait, I take it all back. Listen, I take it all back because do you know who the Academy of Arts previous game and their only game was before you play them? Their only game and they played back on November twenty eighth. They haven't played in a month because they don't have a real schedule. They beat UC Davis. They beat oh the my. Aggies. They beat a Big West team. Look at this. They might be coming to get you. Look out. Oh, my God. This team hasn't played a game in a month. I, don't, I, I can't even Google them. Numchuck, Google the Academy Art. What's their mascot? The violins? What are they? Anyway, do we really want to spend time talking about this? No. Okay, listen. Hey, uh. Joe Johnson's back. You happy about that? 40 years old, made his uh, debut 20 years ago, and he uh, buried a jumper last night, scored the Celtics' last point. Good for Joe Johnson. This guy's come here to Vegas and played in the big three. This guy just just dominates. And uh, good for Joe Johnson, uh, hooking up with the Celtics, and he, he's, he's back in the league. You probably played against Joe Johnson. Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> but, uh, Joe, Joe Johnson's a very, very good player. Yeah, he is. Hey, you know, he's the only player in the league, Bill, that played against Michael Jordan. Think about that. He's the only player in the league that played against Michael Jordan right now. Okay. That's, that's, that's an interesting thing to bring out. It is. It is. That's how old he is. But, you know, he's a good, good player, no doubt. The Academy of Art Urban Knights. There it is. All right. That's right. Finally. Right. Finally. Give, give, give our guys our due. Finally. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. At least I got to give you credit for being out. Yeah, you better win by forty. That's all I got to say. But you know what? I mean, you oh, guys might win. God. You guys might win on the basketball court. I bet you. You would just. You guys would fail miserably in an art competition. I'm telling you, a painting competition. Yeah, it'd be all over for you guys. <laughs> Good thing you're playing them on the basketball court. Oh, I, I, hey, I bet they got some great uniforms though. I'm telling you, you you're gonna go to the game, aren't you? You're going to go to the game. I, I will be there, of course. Of course. Yeah, there it is. Wow. All right, good stuff. All right, hey, uh, NBA has five Christmas Day games highlighted by the Warriors in Phoenix. You know, this is a time when we all kind of like turn the page, and you and I have talked about this before, where this is where, okay, now the NBA becomes relevant, you know, to the, the, the majority of the public who start watching these games come Christmas Day. Uh, I, I know you played in, in several. Show me your transition. Uh, my transition is <laughs> crossover transition. I just I took I took the ball from a Spud Webb and I'm going. I'm, there's my transition bucket going the other way. You played in a lot of Christmas Day games. Uh, let's talk about playing on Christmas Day, man. What what, it, what do do players like it? Care for it? Not care for it? There's my transition. There's the question. 
I played in a lot of Christmas Day games, and I did not like any of them. And that's and it's really kind of weird because, like, uh, you know, they have the Trent Tucker rule. Um, when Trent was able to make a jump shot, really after the buzzer, so they put that rule in that you, if you get the ball with zero zero point four seconds, you can get a shot. Anything later than that, uh, it's not possible to get a shot off. I was in that game. So we played some great – I played in some great games. Um, but I did not care for any, any one of them. Because, uh, you know, I, even though I was a young guy and I had a family, I can remember playing a, a noon game. My son, uh, Justin, had this battleship, and the instructions were not in English. I was up until 3 in the morning trying to put together this ridiculous battleship, but I got it together, and I had a noon game. So, um, to me, the holidays are the holidays, and you know that. So... It's just unfortunate that I've played in so many of them. Uh, great games, both when I was with the Knicks and the Bulls, but uh, did not care for any of them. Is, is that, uh, you think this is probably the majority of the players that kind of feel the, the exact exact same way? I think so. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Mm-hmm. The guys would much rather be uh, at home. But it's just nature of the beast. If you have a good team, everybody wants to see it. So uh, you're you're the uh, holiday entertainment. So that's just that's just what you get. Right, right. Uh, Warriors in Phoenix. They'll play on Christmas Day, and we'll watch it. Like you said, we're watching sports. We're watching football. We're watching basketball. And uh, these two teams really have. It was they could go wire to wire here. I mean, they started off fast. They continue to play well. Uh, had a great game just about a week or so ago, and they're going to do it again on Christmas. This game will be in Phoenix. And uh, what are you hearing? You're there in San Francisco. Uh, are we going to see the debut of Clay Thompson coming up on Saturday, or when is he back? Yeah, there's, there's no use in playing him until it's a thousand percent. But look. What you're going to get in this game is the same thing my son, uh, Justin and Jason, got when, they, when I went to Chicago. There was uh, regular basketball, and for the for the little kids who couldn't play in the in the big leagues with the big guys, they played small fry basketball. <laughs> and that's exactly what you're going to get: small fry. You're going to see four guards and a, and a guy who should be a forward playing center, playing basketball some more. So, um, yeah. So, in that game, get ready for small fry. Small fry basketball. I love it. Small fry. Yeah, that's it. That's that's on display quite a bit in just about every NBA game right now, right? Just guard-oriented, perimeter-oriented, you know, 30, 35 threes, you know, going up a, a game. That, that's what we're used to, right? That's what we got now. Yeah. And that's yeah, not, not going to change anytime soon. You know, is it a game? Speaking of which, last night, in, you know, we talked last week about how it's, it's sickening to watch. Everybody thinks they're a three point shooter. 
So I go to watching the UNLV San Diego game, and you know uh, University of San Diego very well in the WCC. This team missed yeah. its first 13 three pointers last night, and they kept firing them up. And of those 13, five were air balls. They got six, eight guys shooting, six, six guys shooting. They have no business shooting. They're guards. I mean, this team looked awful last night. They could not shoot the basketball, shooting 20%. I mean, overall, UNLV just destroyed them. It was some ugly basketball. UNLV played great. And kudos to Kevin Kruger and those guys for winning last night. But, man, San Diego, my friend, just terrible. And I don't understand the coaching. I mean, this guy just, he doesn't say anything. He lets these guys keep firing away. It's ridiculous. It was embarrassing. Side of the backboard, shot clock, air ball. Terrible. Well, what, what can I say? Yeah, you don't need to say it. It can't happen. Yeah, just terrible. All right, man. Uh, we'll let you go. Uh, prepare, because I know that you've got to you know, start getting your walks in. You're ready to go. You know, because you've got uh, you got plenty to eat. You know, coming up on on Christmas Day, so you go enjoy, my friend. And we'll send you out with your favorite song. If you if you'd like to sing along, uh, go ahead. There we go. Finally. <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? He doesn't like Curtis Blow. He's an old school R&B guy, and he doesn't like Curtis. He, he doesn't like. Well, I'm gonna say you don't like it. You like it, but you'd rather take Grandma get run over Ray, Rangers to Christmas rapping. And she wow. staggered out the door yeah. into the snow. It's Christmas. Yeah. Sure. There it is. That's Stop all it. That's it. There it is. Christmas. Curtis Blow. I mean, Christmas it Take care, brother. Be good. There it is. Big Bill Cartwright, the seven-footer. When we come back, oh, my goodness. Scott Spritzer joins. Let's talk some football. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Walking home from our house Christmas Eve. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless, and what I say you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. A little bit different boxing day, as we have found out when we talked with our good friend Paul Buckpower Stewart earlier. (laughs) Kenny Bayless. The best referees in the boxing business. Boxing Day, that's it, in England. All right, it is time for us to talk a little football, and we've got some. We've got a great game tonight on the NFL docket, a very meaningful game between the Niners and the Titans. We'll dive into that. Plus, we've got bowl games galore and a big-time week of, of football action in the NFL on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Let's talk to our good friend Scott Spritzer. Scott, what's going on, brother? How you doing, TC? Just checking out a little bowl action and getting ready for the games, you know, to kick off this weekend. Yes, 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 my friend. Looking forward to it. We got uh, plenty on tap, and it, it starts, uh, you know, with uh, a game tonight with the San Francisco 49ers and the Tennessee Titans, Scott. And let's, uh, uh, before we dive into that game, let's talk about what the NFL is dealing with here with the surge in COVID cases. We saw it last week. How you know it, it turned things upside down for for several teams having to postpone games, including the Las Vegas Raiders. Today we get news that uh, again, you know, it's it's a it's a fluid situation. We Austin Eckler is now on the COVID list for the the Chargers. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Taysom Hill, uh, Dalvin Cook. Uh, this this is a an ongoing situation here, and I know from a handicapping perspective. 
it has really got to be tough when you're trying to, you know, try to get the uh, acquire the best line, when to play these games. Uh, are, have you just pretty much relegated yourself where you can't make any of these NFL plays until maybe the uh, an hour or so before game time? No, I, I sometimes. I mean, I for the most part, I'm a spot player in the NFL. So unless it's a quarterback or a cluster injury situation to, you know, like a group of linebackers or a group of defensive backs rather than one or two or, you know, maybe all the running backs are out or all the wide receivers are out, that kind of thing, then it starts to affect me. But, you know, basically the only player who matters to the point spread is the quarterback normally. So if his offensive line is fine and for the most part his offense is okay, uh, then I will sit there and, and, and really not pay a lot of attention to it. Now, if there's you know, cluster injuries, for instance, we saw Detroit not last week, but the week before when they got beat 38 to 10. I mean, they had like 20, 24 guys out, something along those lines. You know, the Rams had to deal with it, that kind of stuff. But again, I'm such a spot player when it comes to NFL and NBA, professional sports in general, uh, that I'm not really overly affected by guys missing games. Again, just the caveat is, you know, if it's a quarterback, or if it's a cluster situation at a key position, then, of course, I, I really look into it. And, and a lot of times a center, for me, you know, even though that might not be an adjustment for the books on the line, the point spread, if I see a starting center is out and the backup center is somebody who's had very little professional playing time, I'll put credence into that, maybe make a little bit of an adjustment. So, again, I've been a spot player in the NFL for about a decade now, and it's for the most part, for most of the last 10 years, it's been my most successful sport. So I just keep looking at it that way. But again, you know, it's one of those things where with quarterbacks, you know, just as capable of contracting the virus or testing positive as anybody else, you do have to kind of wait a little bit. And I look to teams, if I'm going to make plays for uh, the weekend, a couple of the days in advance, I'll look for teams that have had very little or no a COVID test along the way for that particular week. So you're thinking, okay, maybe somebody comes down or tests positive with the virus, but at least right now on the team, there's nobody with the virus, and that gives them more of a chance of staying away from a positive test. All right. So when the college bowls are here and we're, we're seeing how this thing could be affected too, and it's not just with a COVID situation here, but you're dealing with players that are opting out to go to the NFL draft as well too. And again, you really got to do a lot of homework here for handicappers to find out who's playing, who's not. But then there's also that adage, which I think is huge, like which one of these these teams are more motivated to play and which ones aren't. I, I, have, you, have you noticed some soft spots in that here? Yeah, I look for, obviously look for motivation. Um, as far as the Bulls, I do treat that a little bit differently than the NFL and the handicap because I, I can tell you, you know, three, four, five years ago before we started seeing all the opt-outs and, of course, now the virus thrown into the situation, I could basically tell you and, and have bets on almost every bowl game you know, from the time the lines came out right through the final uh, college football games you know, on New Year's Day and thereafter. And that's not been the situation this year or last year. It's been almost a let's go day by day. In a couple instances, I'll stretch ahead you know, up to maybe five or six days. I've done that a couple of times. I bet San Diego State, for the uh, example, this past Tuesday, and I bet that game about a week in advance. So it's kind of one of those things where it's almost arbitrary to a certain extent on whether or not you decide to wait to see if there's going to be a virus situation or more opt-outs. I mean, I've got a game we're going to talk about in just a bit, one of my best bets, where I've already jumped on the play, uh, even though you know one team could come down with a virus. You don't know that yet. 
but because of opt-outs that have already happened to a particular team. So it's tough. I mean, coaching changes, we don't have to deal with that. That's already happened. We know that there's probably not going to be any coaching changes between now and the rest of the bowls. But, of course, the virus and the opt-outs come into play. No doubt. Scott Spritzer joins us, Doc Sports. All right, Scott, big one in the NFL tonight, uh, San Francisco and Tennessee. The Niners, a three-point road favorite in this one. Tennessee has had their opportunities, but uh, especially last week, but the four turnovers killed them against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Uh, they let the Steelers you know, come back, win that game. Steelers kind of still have their faint uh, playoff hopes uh, alive here and it's opened up the door for a lot of other teams. But this Tennessee Titans team, uh, a hard team to figure out because we see how strong they are defensively. Uh, we understand they still got injuries. But Ryan Tannehill, I mean, here is a guy that has really struggled this year. What, 14 uh, interceptions, 14 touchdown passes. This is not the same Ryan Tannehill we've seen the last couple seasons. Yeah, well, he and the offense were basically fine until Derrick Henry got hurt, and that's been the big, you know, problem with them. And and of course, as far as you know, they haven't had AJ Brown, but he's expected to be activated for tonight's game. That's a huge difference if they're able to run the football at all, and then they get a top wide receiver back. That helps. And listen, it's an opinion for me on Tennessee TC. I did not bet the game. Uh, I do think it is kind of a buy low, sell high spot on the Titans in this particular spot. I'm not a big San Francisco guy this season. I think they've caught teams in the right spot along the way during this run. But you know, when you look at Tennessee, listen, when they're getting points, guess what they've done? They've won five straight outright when it comes to getting points as an underdog. Uh, so again, you know, if you can get three and a half, I lean a little bit more to Tennessee, and I did a video on this with a recommendation on Tennessee. Uh, but again, at three and a half, I think there's one play. It's Tennessee or nothing as far as I'm concerned, especially uh, if Brown does get activated like he's expected to do. I haven't checked in the last hour to see if he has yet, but that's the ex- expectations. And again, I, I'm not a big Niners fan. They don't force turnovers, and the one thing that has hurt Tennessee has been mistakes in that they've been turning the ball over too much. But again, San Francisco doesn't force a lot of turnovers. So I think Tennessee's on the right spot here. I just decided to pass the game. All right, we talked a little college football. Kind of an intriguing one here tonight with the uh, Gasparilla Bowl with Florida and UCF. And this is a situation where you're, you know, UCF is playing big brother here. Florida is really a mess. Uh, again, you know, no head coach. Uh, their starting quarterback who actually is going to play tonight, which is a little bit strange, uh, you know, has already in, uh, entered the transfer portal where we've seen other quarterbacks enter the transfer portal and say, okay, we're, we're, we're gone. But uh, we see Florida coming out of the SEC, a seven-point favorite in this game. A good spot for maybe little brother who would love to knock off the big boys? Yeah, I think you either play Central Florida and take those points. You can still get seven in a couple of joints. If you like Florida, there's plenty of six-and-a-halves. But I think it's Central Florida or nothing in this game. And you mentioned you know, quite a few reasons why. Plus, you've got a coaching staff for Central Florida who not too long ago was preparing to play in the SEC against teams like Florida. So yep. they know what the Gators are going, are going to try to bring. You've got the second-best quarterback for Florida on this roster playing tonight. And as you mentioned, where's his mind right now, uh, considering that he's looking to play at a different school next year? They've got multiple players, Florida, that are going to be transferring in the portal uh, coming up after this game. And I think that's kind of odd to get this all together. Plus, you've undergone, what, two coaching staffs in the last two or three weeks now, uh, from the one they were just under uh, to an interim coaching staff to now a potential new couple of ideas from some of the guys Napier's bringing over. It's 
just a weird spot for the Florida Gators. If they get the win, if they get the cover, you know, more power to them. But I think it's Central Florida or nothing. And I grabbed a little play on Central Florida. I got the seven points here. Mm-hmm. All right, Scott Spritzer joins us. Scott, back to the NFL, Christmas Day. Let's talk about a couple of these games in Indianapolis and Arizona. Uh, the Colts, have strong defense, tough defense. I'm uh, not exactly sure what we're going to get with uh, Carson Wentz, but you still got Jonathan Taylor, and this Arizona Cardinal team has uh, been awful the last two weeks. Uh, last week, just uh, horrendous against the Detroit Lions. The week before, losing to the Rams. And uh, Kyler Murray uh, has not looked good since he's come back from this injury. How do you handicap this game? Yeah, I'll save you some time because I'm on the game you just mentioned, but I'll save you some time by telling you that I'm passing the Browns-Packers game, so no real thoughts on that Saturday night game. But as far as the Cardinals and Colts, yeah, Cards are struggling. They've lost four of seven straight up and against the spread. I think this is the spot they bounce back, though. And I didn't buy into Arizona being a true Super Bowl contender Early in this, earlier in this season when they were winning all those games. But they're certainly a talented team. They're catching the Colts, I think, though, at the right time, Indy off the big win over the Patriots. So the Colts in that game, even though they won, they were outgained by nearly 100 yards. Carson Wentz had a weak passing numbers. He was 5 of 12. He had a pick. Uh, the game, as you mentioned, it was all about Jonathan Taylor and the ground game, and then a combination of that, plus Mac Jones and the Patriots finally making major mistakes. But that's what teams in the NFL who've won five or six in a row do. They tend to make mistakes. I like going against or looking to go against in certain key spots NFL teams that have won at least five in a row. I don't think the Cardinals will be beaten by Wentz in this passing game, so I expect them to help out against the run against Taylor, force Wentz to go up top more than he'd like. And again, I know the Cardinals have struggled against the run, but that's baked into this line. Arizona's also healthier up front on offense this week than they were last week. And even without Hopkins on the field, I think the Cardinals get the win here. So I did make a little bit of a play on Arizona. All right. Raiders-Broncos at Allegiant Stadium. Drew Locke is in. Teddy Bridgewater out here. Raiders clinging to these faint playoff hopes. They got the victory at Cleveland uh, just a few days ago, and here they come on a short week. At least the game is at home, and you are facing Drew Locke. We saw Locke last week against Cincinnati. They couldn't get the job done here. Uh, game's virtually a pick I know a lot of Raider fans are thinking, well, how come the, you know, the Raiders aren't a, a two- or three- or four-point favorite in this game considering that they beat Denver the last couple times, uh, including last year when Locke played at Allegiant Stadium and Locke threw four interceptions and the Raiders won 37-12. to uh, What are your thoughts here about this game? Yeah, I think the line is where it should be. I mean, does anybody trust the Raiders? I mean, it took everything they had last week to beat a team that was missing 20 players and a quarterback. You know, it's just ridiculous how badly they can play at times. Uh, They've got a a talented quarterback who doesn't have a feel for winning football. It's as simple as that when it comes to Carr. You know, Carr is a talented guy, but there's something missing, I guess, between the years that allows this team to progress throughout the course of a football game, and all of a sudden they get stagnant on offense for big periods and big chunks of a football game. He's just not that next-level QB when it comes to leading a football team to victories. That's just the way it is with some of these guys, even those who have the talent that Carr does. Uh, I think the under might be the way to go here if you look at what Denver has done. We talked about their offense has not been much, but they're 11-3 and three, uh, to the under so far this season. Uh, Vegas top 16 points about once every uh, six, eight months, you know, so it's a situation where I think you're going to see a lower scoring game. And, you know, the total right now, TC is sitting at 41 and a half. 
I wouldn't be shocked to see this being a 20-17 to 17 type of football game. I'm passing the side completely. I don't trust the Raiders. I don't trust yeah. Carr. I don't want Denver in this spot. I think the best way to go is the yonder if you're going to jump on this game. Yeah, I agree with you. It's hard to handicap this game and, again, just stay away from it, especially considering – where the Raiders are at uh, at home, too. I mean, this is a team that starts off slow. They've really underperformed at home, and they're just a hard team to figure out. And you hit the nail on the head in that game against Cleveland. I mean, I mean, the Raiders, you know, you would think could win that game going away, and they were life and death and, and nearly lost that game. So Yeah, and they need a coaching staff. I yeah. mean, listen, they haven't been coached since Gruden left. Whether you like Gruden or not, whether you agreed with what happened with Gruden or not, you know, talking to the general public that might be tuning in, the bottom line was – they were coached well for the most part. They have not been coached well since the day he left. They are in bad need of direction. No doubt about it. All right, Scott, uh, since uh, we're not going to be live tomorrow, I say we uh, get into our best bets uh, today. What do you think about that? Well, let's do it, man. It's Football Friday, and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. All right, giving you our best bets, three NFL games, of course, taking place uh, over the weekend. And then, of course, on the college bowl side, now we're going to give you games that take place next Monday through Thursday. So those are the games that we are going to focus on. And let's go to our man, Scott Spritzer. Scott, give us your three best college bowl plays that are going to take place in the next seven days. All right, let's start first with a Tuesday game between Air Force and Louisville. Air Force getting a point and a half here. Currently an underdog. One of my favorite bowl angles is to play non-favorites in bowls who own big rushing stat advantages. And by that, I mean they uh, gain on the ground uh, over a, a two-to-one ratio or more against what they allow on the ground in a game. And that certainly you know, focuses in on Air Force here as an underdog. San Diego State was the play last week before they became a favorite. They still covered anyway as a favorite, but that was an example of one of these teams that fit that rushing stat bowl angle. Uh, Louisville got the invite thanks to a 6-6 six and six season, but they were pummeled in that final game. I believe they lost five of the last eight games, but they lost 52 to 21 to Kentucky in the final game. And I tend to look at playing six and six teams that had to win their final game to get that sixth win and to get that invite. Not a big fan of teams who lost the final game and fell to six and six, and that's Louisville. I'm also not a fan of their defense that gives up 105 yards per game more that Air Force allows on defense. And I made Air Force a three-point favorite in this game, TC, so I'm going to stick to my guns here and back Air Force plus a point and a half over Louisville. Um, I also took Clemson. I, I, this is a, an interesting game here, Clemson and Iowa State. Both teams had disappointing seasons, but Clemson started coming around at the end of the year, started looking more like the Clemson Tigers. It's all a matter of will they be motivated to play in a non-important bowl game, if you will. And I think Dabble Sweeney is good enough to have his team focused as far as Iowa State is concerned. Remember before the season, people had them in their top five, their top eight, where they were thinking playoffs for Iowa State. They had a massively disappointing season after what they expected before the year began, and now they're having opt-outs left and right, defense, offense. Brees Hall, maybe the best running back in college football this year, he's opted out. He's not going to play. I think Clemson will be able to get the win against what I think will be a team that's not too motivated in Iowa State. And TC, the final college football play for the contest Moving to Wednesday, it's a 6.15 p.m. Pacific kickoff. I'm taking Oklahoma minus the points over Oregon. And I think anybody who thought that the Sooners would be disappointed by falling short of a playoff berth 
can probably think again after what happened with Lincoln Riley turning his back on this program, going to USC, and then, of course, you get the rah-rah guy, Bob Stutes, coming, you know, coming in to coach this team for the bowl game. I think they'll be plenty fired up, plenty focused. Oregon also lost their head coach, but it's a different situation. They had a chance to get to a New Year's Day bowl game, but they got annihilated by Utah in the Pac-12 championship. It was the second time in three games that they got blown out by the Utah Utes by 28 or more. Uh, They underperformed following the big early season win at Ohio State. Uh, And finally, Pac-12 bowl teams off a Suat straight-up ATS loss have been horrible to the bankroll over the past half-dozen bowl seasons. I like Oklahoma minus the points in this one. All right, good stuff. Uh, Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports. Scott, I am going to join you on a, on a couple of these games, uh, and I'll, I'll start and just uh, tag on to you with uh, Clemson and Iowa State. Uh, Clemson has won five in a row, uh, and I really believe that this team has turned it around off the early season. You know, a little rocky start. They're trying to find themselves, especially, you know, with their new quarterback. And uh, as far as Iowa State goes, too many bad losses for me. I look at West Virginia, Texas Tech. Iowa, all bad losses. And again, I'm not that big a Brock Purdy fan as well, too. And then you got the Brees Hall situation. I believe he's not going to play. Uh, you know, their star running back opting to go to the NFL. So in Wednesday's Cheese It Bowl, I think this is a bargain here with the Clemson Tigers lane one against Iowa State. And again, I think Clemson, I've been waiting for their bowl game to see what their matchup was going to be because, again, I saw this team struggle early on, but Dabo Swinney still has the athlete, still has the talent, and you don't see a whole bunch of guys guys from the Clemson Tiger team that are opting not to play in this game. So Clemson minus one against Iowa State. I like this one. And then the, the Alamo Bowl. I'm with you on Wednesday as well, too. Uh, this is the coachless bowl, as we know, is what, what happened with Oregon and Oklahoma, right? But Oklahoma, the number four and a half. And uh, Oregon, the moment that I saw Oregon play in the Pac-12 championship game uh, at Allegiant Stadium, I said, when can I pick on this team next? And then, uh, of course, their star defensive uh, uh, end is not going to be playing. He's opting out uh, as well, too. And uh, this Oregon defense, I don't think they're going to have an answer for Oklahoma. Anytime you're dealing with a coachless team or going through some changes here, uh, you got to be a little bit uh, careful here. But I think Oklahoma has just about all of their offensive uh, guys uh, there will be playing in this game in the Alamo Bowl. I got to believe that they are motivated. And I got to believe that Bob Stoops, who will be coaching this game, coming back for a one and done situation, that actually adds a little mojo to the Oklahoma Sooner side as well, too. I think Oregon's done. They're, they're kaput. Uh, they don't show up in this game. If they couldn't show up in Las Vegas uh, against Utah and got drilled by Utah in their last two games, uh, why should this be any different? As long as the Sooners are ready to play, I think Oklahoma writes the score here in the Alamo Bowl. And then I'm going to go to Thursday to the Las Vegas Bowl. I know you're a big fan, just like I am, Scott, about the Las Vegas Bowl each and every year. Now we're at Allegiant Stadium. We've got the Big Ten coming to town with this, with Wisconsin Badgers. And, of course, Bucky's going to be uh, – Coming to town, they'll have a lot of red and white in the stadium against Arizona State. Wisconsin's laying six and a half. Usually don't like to lay points with Wisconsin, but in this situation, I think we can get away with it because Arizona State, they've been very hard to predict, especially uh, what you're going to get offensively with Herm Edwards' team. As much as I like Herm Edwards, and I think he's done a fairly good job with that program, I think Wisconsin, when it comes bowl time, uh, especially travel out here, they're going to be ready to play. They'll be able to run the ball against the Sun Devils and going to lay six and a half with the Wisconsin Badgers. All right, Scott, let's go to your NFL plays. All right, let's start on Sunday with the Atlanta Falcons laying five and a half over Detroit. 
it's not likely to happen, but they can still make the postseason. Obviously, they got to run the table. I'm not sure uh, that they'll be able to win all their games, but I do believe they'll cover the spread on Sunday and win this game. Uh, the Lions have won, what, two of the last three, but they lost by 28 the week following their initial win. And the organization has covered four of their last 15 off a straight-up win by 14 or more. It doesn't happen often. When it does, they don't come back the very next week and play well. The Falcons, I think, are going to find little resistance in the passing game. And I think it's worth noting that NFL non-favorite road teams, which are road dogs or pick, have covered just nine of their last 40 if they've covered three of the last four games if they're a team that's playing 250 football or worse, that's the Detroit Lions, 9-40. and 40, Excuse me, 9-31 and 31 of the last 40 are those NFL teams. I'm backing the Falcons minus the points. I'm also playing the Ravens this week uh, over Cincinnati, taking the points there. And really, whether it's Huntley or Jackson at quarterback, I think they're going to win this game outright. So I feel solid grabbing the points here. Uh, we had Cincy in that first meeting. Did I expect them to put 40 on the board? No, I didn't, but they did. We got the win. Baltimore's dropped three straight by a grand total of four points. If we had more time, I'd go into my rant about the analytics and whether they should go for two or not at the end of the game. It's cost them twice. But four of their losses this season came by a total of ten points. Cincy did not play well last week on offense in the win over Denver. They've lost four of the last seven. I think uh, Baltimore pulls the mild upset here and gets the win. And finally, I'm going to go with those powerful, and I mean powerful, Jacksonville Jaguars on the road over the New York Jets. Everyone, not me, but most people were on the Jags last week. They assumed an initial bump from the Urban Meyer firing. I stayed away from them in that game. Uh, I could go into detail, TC, here, but I know you've got to get your games too. Bottom line is the Jacksonville defense much better than the, than the New York Jets defense. I will take it a battle of rookie QBs, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars over the Jets the week that everybody has now jumped off Jacksonville after playing them last week. All right. Uh, Scott, you got great information. Never hesitate with giving us uh, what you like, your thoughts, your trends uh, ever, my friend, because uh, you got great stuff and great, uh, uh, great angles and everything there. All right. I'm going to uh, go with this game on Saturday with the Packers and the Browns, and I am a firm believer that the Browns are done. These obviously are two teams going in opposite directions here. The Browns have lost four out of six, and they're gut-punched here. And you just don't know what – what, who's going to show up for the Browns? I mean, we expect Baker Mayfield to be back. We know Kevin Stefanski will be coaching the team for the Browns. But still, other than Nick Chubb, I don't have any confidence in anybody for the Browns. And again, in this short week where you've got to go ahead and travel, you virtually have zero practice time at all. And you need practice time, especially when you're going against arguably the best team in the NFL and the Green Bay Packers. The Packers, what have they done? They just win and win and win, especially at home. 6-0 and at home this season. 6-0 and against the spread. The Packers have been rolling, and I expect the Packers to take care of business here. Lay the 7, lay the 7.5 uh, against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, New England and Buffalo. We got a rematch, Scott. I don't uh, think that Mac Jones is going to uh, throw only three passes uh, this time. They're not going to need to, and it's very hard for a team to come back and beat a team You know, just you know, two, three weeks later, but that's what I'm going to ask the New England Patriots to do. Lay 2.5 at home because I believe believe in this Patriots team, and I'm having some big question marks about the Buffalo Bills right now, a team that I've been on many, many times during the course of the season, but Josh Allen against that very staunch Patriots defense, that's a little bit scary, and I think New England can get the job done again if they don't outsmart themselves, and we know one thing from a coaching perspective, advantage Bill Belichick and um, 
and uh, Josh McDaniel and everything else that the uh, New England Patriots have going. So if New England sticks to that same game plan where they want to punish the Buffalo Bills and they come up big on the defensive side of the ball, I look for a big bounce-back game from the New England Patriots off of that loss to Indianapolis. They're back at home, and they're laying two and a half. And then finally, I'm going to go with one of the big dogs this week, uh, Sunday Night Football. Washington against Dallas. They just played a couple weeks ago, and Washington continued to shoot themselves in the foot, especially with what Heineke did. But you know what? They nearly came back and, and covered that game and even all come back to force overtime in that game. So I think getting 10.5, this is more of a play against Dallas and Mike McCarthy and the way Dak Prescott is, is played. I think that number might be a little bit too high for a division rival game here. And Washington still thinks they have something to play for, and I'm a big believer in Ron Rivera. Again, short week. They are getting more their players back uh, due to COVID. Heineke will get the start. I think it's going to help because he did see Dallas a couple weeks ago. Uh, so again, I will take the 10.5 with the Washington football team. All right. So if you uh, want to see everyone else's uh, picks, they will be all up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Our great friend, of course, Matt Holt, Brian Benowitz, uh, Gilby the intern, uh, all up there, and Trevor Maddich as well, too. Uh, at tcmartinshow.com. All right, Scott, I appreciate it, my friend. Great stuff. Check out all of Scott's uh, plays over at docsports.com. He's a great follow on Twitter, too, at Scott Wins. Scott, have yourself a very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, you and your wonderful family, and we will reconvene next week, my man. Perfect, man, and Merry Christmas to you and the fam. Happy holidays to everybody. Everybody be safe and have a great one, and I can't wait to get to those New Year's Day bowl games. So we'll talk to you next week, TV. You got that right. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks to Scott Spritzer for joining us uh, today and everyone else. All right. uh, Enjoy. Have yourself a very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. However you decide to celebrate, celebrate very, very smartly and safely. And we will reconvene live on Monday at 2 o'clock. And for our team here, from everyone, for our regular guests that you hear from each and every week, uh, Numchuck and the G-Man, Gilby, and again, special uh, thoughts and prayers to our brother, Brother Frank Harnish, Ballpark Frank, as we continue to mourn his loss, and uh, as we look back at uh, all the fun time, as I pop myself a bottle of Coca-Cola right now and salute my good friend, Ballpark Frank. Everyone, have yourself a Merry Christmas. Have a great, enjoyable weekend, and we'll talk to you Monday.